Welcome to the Lightly Salted Podcast. These are the readings and sermons of St. John's Lutheran Church of Park Rapids, Minnesota. They are offered so that the Word of God would shape and strengthen you to be what He calls you to be, salt and light. You can find us at stjohnspr.org. Now, on to the Word. The Old Testament reading for the 13th Sunday after Pentecost is from Isaiah chapter 51. Listen to me, you who pursue righteousness, you who seek the Lord. Look to the rock which you have hewn and to the quarry from which you were dug. Look to Abraham, your father, and to Sarah who bore you, for he has but one when I called him, that I might bless him and multiply him. For the Lord comforts Zion. He comforts all her waste places and makes her wilderness like Eden, her desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in her, thanksgiving and the voice of song. Give attention to me, my people, and give ear to me, my nation. For a law will go out from me, and I will set my justice for a light to the peoples. My righteousness draws near, my salvation has gone out, and my arms will judge the peoples. The coastlands hope for me, and for my arm they wait. Lift up your eyes to the heavens. And look at the earth beneath. For the heavens vanish like smoke. The earth will wear out like a garment. And they who dwell in it will die like manner. But my salvation will be forever. And my righteousness will never be dismayed. This is the word of the Lord. The epistles are from Romans chapters 11 and 12. Oh, the depths of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God! How unsearchable are His judgments, and how inscrutable His ways! For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been His counselor? Or who has given a gift to Him that He might be repaid? For from Him and through Him and to Him are all things. To Him be glory forever. Amen. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them, if prophecy, in portion to our faith, if service, in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 16th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, 
who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Grace to you, Lord Grace to and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. We have been listening to the letter to the Romans since we got into the season of Pentecost. Now, the way our lectionary is set up and the church here is set up, we sort of jumped into the beginning chapters of Romans. But we've had this great unveiling of the, the truth of Christianity as God the Holy Spirit works through the Apostle Paul. The letter of Romans is sort of a, a letter of introduction, you could say. He didn't, Paul didn't have anything to do with the founding of the church in Rome, but he's hoping to come to them, to visit them. And he's sending this letter ahead to say, you know, this is the message that I have been proclaiming throughout the Asia Minor and, and into uh, Greece and, and alike. And uh, since he's not dealing with any church troubles like in the letter to the Corinthians where you know, he was an intimate part of that congregation and they had lots of questions to settle disputes, rather what we get here is this beautiful overview of Christianity. And as uh, we hear today in our, our section today in chapters 11 and 12, we're at a transition. And we have this magnificent and beautiful transition from sort of the, the theology of how we have life in God to sort of more practical matters of how a Christian lives as a believer in Jesus Christ. And this transition really is captures, begins with this magnificent doxology of praise. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are His judgments and how inscrutable His ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been His counselor? Or who has given a gift to Him that He might be repaid? For from Him and through Him and to Him are all things. To Him be the glory forever. Amen. <laughs> I did appreciate that amen because it is a wonderful uh, doxology of praise. A doxology of praise that wraps up this first part. What is this inscrutable way of God? Well, most recently is simply the revelation of this, that both Jews and Gentiles are redeemed by Christ. God's people of the Old Testament are not His only people, never have been. But now, especially in Jesus Christ, we are all one, Jew and Gentile. 
but we're made one in Jesus Christ through a way that we probably never would think of. What we just heard at the very end of our reading last week was that God has carried, see, I got to read it directly, otherwise I don't misquote it. God has consigned all to disobedience that he may have mercy on all. In the letter to the Romans, this isn't the first time we heard that very core judgment of God. We actually heard it back in, in Romans chapter 3, when God says everyone has sinned. Every single person is damned under the law, period. Not a single person can enter heaven by their works, period. God has consigned us all to condemnation. Why? Because he's some sort of tyrant who likes to play around with people and you know, treat them sort of like ants under a magnifying glass? No. He has a specific reason for consigning all to condemnation. So that he might have mercy on all. Again, this is, this is echoing chapter 3, which has this, this great but now statement. Okay, everyone's damned under the law, but now God's revealed a new way through Jesus Christ. Every single person, you and I included, cannot make it into heaven by our actions. But now there's a new way, another way, a way of God's mercy in Jesus Christ, our Savior. We can hear the judgment of the law and we can take it into ourselves because we know what's coming next, a great, wonderful message of salvation in Jesus Christ. That's the inscrutable way of God. That's the depth of the riches and the wisdom and knowledge of God. We would have never come up with a plan like that. But it's been His plan really from the beginning. Salvation in Christ alone. Then I, I, I do love in this doxology those three questions. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Who has been his counselor? And especially this one. Or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? You know, so often people sort of present this idea that, that, uh, the point of going to church or whatever is sort of get God on your side, as if anything we could do could get God on our side. As if there's anything we could do that would put God in our debt. It's impossible. Why? Because of those last words. From Him and through Him and to Him are all things. Everything in this creation and this universe proceeds from God. It is sustained by God, and in the end, it is returning to God. But here's the great part. We're beneficiaries by the mercy of God. He brings us into this great plan of His, this great creation of His in mercy. In mercy, He sustains us, and in mercy, He will bring us to life with Him. From Him, through Him, and to Him are all things. To Him be glory forever. Amen.
I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what the will of God is, what is good and acceptable and perfect. I've probably shared this story half a million times, at least I feel like it. I know I've been saying it recently because, well, I don't know, something about new candidates, start thinking of seminary and stuff like that. Um, but we had a, we had a, a professor, um, William Schmelder, Wild Bill, I like to refer to him as. Uh, he was a guy who actually lived through Seminex at our seminary, never got his doctorate degree. Because of that, there were other staff members that sort of looked a little down on this guy who's only got a master's degree at a seminary level. But his, idea, his, his statement, I had, he asked him about it once, and he's like, it was the doctors of the church that, was leading, that were leading us astray. But anyhow, he had an off-the-books class. And he said, this was in one of our other classes. I don't even remember what class I had with him. But he said, gentlemen, if you'd like to have a little bit of insight onto stewardship, I'd be happy to have a little stewardship class with you. And so probably about 15 or 20 of us met with him off the books. And uh, his first statement was Romans 12.1. In view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. He said, that's all you need to know about Stewardship. It's not about the stuff you have. It's, it's, it's not about things. It's about you. If you are offering yourself as a living sacrifice, you are living as a steward of God. Because if you are offering yourself as a living sacrifice, the possessions you have become part of that sacrifice. The things that you do with your life become part of that sacrifice. But I want to take a step back again by the mercies of God. Again, as we live our life as believers in Christ, it's not about getting more from God. It's not about, well, now that I'm a Christian, certainly I can do some things to put God, you know, make sure that God does what I want him to do. No, now you're back in pagan thinking, right? By the mercies of God. Because God has been merciful to us, we are called to live our lives mercifully. That was one of the primary aspects of the Christian faith, is we ought to be living lives of mercy. Why? Because our God has been so merciful to us, so gracious to us, so generous to us, that we respond in like. Back about 10 months ago, we had our stewardship focus. And uh, most of you don't remember it. I couldn't even tell you all the themes from it right now. But the last one was be generous. And I chose be generous because everybody thinks of generosity first and foremost when you're in church, of course, about the offering plate coming by, right? But that wasn't the first point of being generous. The first point of being generous was being generous in our judgments. Demonstrating mercy to one another. 
Why? Because God has been so merciful to us. Hey, Roger, I didn't put you on this. Oh, you don't have a watch on even. I even set up to put myself at 10 minutes so I had a little warning. Yes, dear? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I can't see the clock because the computer's in the way. A living sacrifice. You guys know what type of phrase that is, right? What would you call that? A living sacrifice is an oxymoron, right? An oxymoron. Things that exist together that really don't fit well together. So when you go to the store and buy jumbo shrimp, that's an oxymoron. Right? Um, let's see, what are some other ones? Uh, here's one that I don't think we even think of it as an oxymoron. Sophomore. When we call that second year of school sophomores, literally that's Greek for wise fool. Literally. Because we know that sophomores, that's exactly what they are. They, they're getting it, but they're not quite there yet, right? Yeah, there are some other awfully good oxymorons out there. See what I did? Awfully good. It's an oxymoron. Living sacrifice also is an oxymoron. Because by definition, a sacrifice is something that is dead. And you've been dead and now are alive. Again, Paul in this letter, and, and I say Paul, but behind the word Paul always is this longer phrase. God the Holy Spirit working through Paul, all right? Paul is again bringing in something he's already talked about. When were you dead but made alive? In the waters of your baptism. He says, he wrote earlier in the letter, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the, by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. You are already a living sacrifice because you have been baptized into Jesus' death and into his resurrection. And as living sacrifice is baptized into Jesus' death and his resurrection, you are to live as Jesus. So Paul continues that we ought to uh, have our minds transformed. We're not supposed to conform to the, this world any longer, but have our minds transformed. Our minds should be like Christ. Again, Paul wrote to the Philippians that, that wonderful, probably even an early hymn of the church. Have, your, have a mind like Christ, who though he was in the form of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. Taking the form of a servant, being found in human likeness, he was obedient to death, even death on a cross. Our life in Christ is to be a life, first and foremost, of mercy and also of humility. Our minds should be like that of Jesus Christ who was humble enough to take on our flesh, to go to the cross, to bring God's mercy to us by his death on the cross. And then he goes on. 
For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members, one of another. We are to rethink of ourselves with humility, especially in this regard. We're part of a bigger picture. We are together the body of Christ. We function differently. We have different interests. We have different things we like to do. That's not bad. In fact, that's genuine diversity right there, where we have different interests, and yet all of these interests can be used and combined for the good of God's people, and we can even extend it for the good of the world. Having the gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. In our funeral services, and finally at the graveside, as we proclaim the, the, the wonders of 1 Corinthians 15, the hope that we have of the resurrection of the dead, the raising of our bodies, the transformation of our bodies into what God has in mind for them, that we might live in eternity with Him in the new heavens and the new earth. We always close, well, we read all of the end of 1 Corinthians 15, and it ends with this. Therefore, my, dear, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. I always wonder how people hear that at the graveside. Because the fact of the matter is, as we live our life in Christ, as we live our life mercifully, as we live our life in humility, as we use the God, gifts God has given us for the good of those around us, we are in service to the Lord. Because Paul earlier just called this our spiritual worship. That word worship, actually, uh, the background of that word is liturgy. Liturgy. That's what we do here. We follow a liturgy, right? What do we call our liturgy? The divine service. Today we're using setting forth. Divine service is a, a, a title that in English isn't as clear as it is in German, Gottesdienst. But literally the translation really means this, not we're here serving God. Maybe hopefully, you know, by being here, God will treat us extra nice this week, right? But literally what it means is God is serving us. That's what we're doing here. We are in the presence of God as he serves us with his word. And today, as Christ serves us with his body and blood, all of it for the strengthening of our faith, for the strengthening of our life in Christ, so that we might live as living sacrifices out there. Because you see, out there is where our personal spiritual liturgy is being done. As we use the gifts God has given to us, and share them with our family, with our neighbors, with our friends, with our co-workers. 
See, that's our spiritual act of worship. And we can be confident that we are doing the work of the Lord. So that when we are in the ground, those around us can still be encouraged to also continue doing the work the Lord has given them to do. There's a lot more to say, and we have communion today. So I'm going to pull a Pastor Lutz. Oh, that's time. And that certainly is time. I do invite you to come on back. There are a lot more things even in this text that we can dig through and will dig through in Bible study. But here again, the wonderful news. Though, because of the law and your sin, you are damned. In Christ, God has had mercy. Amen. Thanks for listening to Lightly Salted. We'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at stjohnspr.org or look for us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Our thanks to Eric Medeish at soundimage.org for Morning Jew. God's blessings.